Hi guys, this is Creatrix Culture Podcast and I am Jess and I'm co-hosting with Sarah Wolf. And today I'm so excited because we have a really special guest, Nathan Kohlerman, who is my coach, my friend, a million other things. Um, and what I love most about Nathan is that he is so extremely authentic while also being really, really skilled with trauma work and just knows all the places and spaces that really need attention and healing for us to become the highest and truest versions of ourselves and really just letting go anything that's not our true essence. So thank you so much, Nathan, for being here. And if you want to share a little bit more about what you do in the world, that would be amazing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I am a man of many myriads and professions. I do a lot of things. But ultimately, I help people come back home to themselves. I help them see the darker, more murkier aspects that a lot of us are hesitant to look at when in reality, I see the path of darkness as the forgotten path of unconditional self-love. So that way we can really own, accept, see, appreciate, acknowledge, and really embrace every single part of ourself that makes up the I am. Because that is such a powerful statement is the I am is everything that's true in the present moment. And if we can maybe facilitate experiences or insights or actions that bring somebody closer to that, I feel like that is where personal power lives. That's where God lives. Mm -hmm. And that's really as a reverend helping people come back to God in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, being a reverend of non-denomination or any religious affiliation for many reasons. And doing a lot of things, whether it's in the wellness space or leadership or transformation, we'll call it mission, purpose, vision, everything. And more than anything, I'm just a dad, you know, mm -hmm. I just want to create a better world for my kids, because I want them to grow up in a world where they don't have to endure the same suffering that I did. Mm -hmm. And if I can mm -hmm. do one thing to just make the world a little bit more peaceful, and a little bit more pleasant for them to fully enjoy and experience the totality of their lives, then so be it. That's what I'm here to do. I love that so much. I love that so much. And, you know, Nathan and I first, I think, connected when we were speaking in Clubhouse during 2020 insanity. And I was just blown away by your work in the conscious relationship space because it was a room focused on conscious relationships which is what I do and uh it was amazing and then we connected more after that and then I worked with him as a client for a while and we did some really deep trauma work together and I just am such a big fan and I every time I listen to a podcast or something that you do it just resonates so deeply within me because you're, you tell my story, your story and my story are different, but so similar, the threads. And even every time I listen, I learn something new, you know, and just what you've gone through the last year or so has been pretty deep, intense. There aren't even really words to describe, but a really deep excavation of a lot of the stuff that you support us in doing. <laughs> and I know, and you do the work yourself too, which is amazing, right? Like it's this full embodiment of the work, which you can sense. 
um, which I love and the level of authenticity too. I tell, I tell my friends about your spiritual psychopath podcast and I'm like, yeah, because we all have all of it within us, right? Like the light, the dark, the crazy, the beauty. And so can we just own that instead of pretending like everything's butterflies and rainbows, because that's not even, that's not that's even not the, that's not the path. Exactly. That's not the work. That's not our humanness really, you know? So um, just hearing you talk in the beginning, it's like, it, it's really amazing. Like our generation of people, and I talk about it a lot is that we we're really called those of us that have been called to come here and pave the way for the children and that we are the the like generational curse breakers the pattern breakers the chain breakers and it's so refreshing to come across a path and meet another like-minded soul that has the same vision and purpose to to break down these structures and these barriers and get rid of as best we can these old traumas that are being passed down and down and down that previous generations haven't really worked on or had the knowledge to maybe in the depths that we do now and we're all just such spiritual badass warriors that we you know are being called to head on take it head on and then turn around and not let it the line continue that so that these higher heightened beings that are coming into the world that are more conscious and more advanced have a safer um, place to thrive and live and grow. And, and like, I just, I, I talk about it a lot. Like we as humanity don't, don't even know our potential yet as far as we can go, because we're still just trying to like chisel off all these layers that have been kind of cemented onto us. And I believe these children that are coming in really have a less layers that they need to go and we can all like expand a lot bigger than we've been able to thus far mm -hmm. for sure i love that you said that because when i before you came on nathan i was like how should i introduce nathan and i'm like looking at your instagram and i'm like i'm like i'm just gonna say like this is nathan and he's a badass <laughs> like yeah Thanks. spiritual badasses <laughs> we're all spiritual badasses but yeah, but for me too, like the trauma work has really been kind of the medicine and the alchemy and the path to expansion as well, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that is more our generation. And then if the children come in and they, because even now I work with 20 something year olds that want to learn conscious relationship stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you understand what this is? We can speak this language. Like mm -hmm. this is incredible. But I think that speaks to, our generation doing a lot of the clearing and healing to create that space for them to tune into that field at a younger age, chronologically, you know? Absolutely. And the availability of information now is much more than it was when we were kids. Right. I mean, looking at how fast the internet is accelerated, looking at the advancement in technology, looking at the different pathways for people to learn and explore. There's literally anything that you want at the disposal at your fingertips now. Mm -hmm. Whereas for us, it's like, oh, we got to go outside and scooter down the street and like eat shit in order for us to learn a lesson. When in reality, yeah. now the kids, they just watch streamers fall and eat shit. And they're like, oh, that hurts. I shouldn't do that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, wish I had that kind of lesson back in the day because that really hurt. I still have the scar and I need to prove it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's honestly, I've just now reached a place on my journey where it doesn't have to be excruciatingly painful or obliterate me mm -hmm. for me to 
expand a little or see things differently or have a shift in perception. And I'm like, huh, this can be possible. I really did not know that. I really thought that it was like, had to be this like painful, obliterating, like soul crushing excavation. And it has, and that was part of it. (laughs) But now I'm like, oh, I also feel like part of that, like since we were young is, is kind of been some programming though, too, Mm. like the, the phrase, like no pain, no gain. Mm. And it's really been driven into us on all levels of like our own selves going out in the workforce, doing this to that, that you have to work so hard for things. And it has to be like, just excruciating and blood, sweat and tears. And like Mm. that we had to go out there. So we're just like, okay, yeah, we do, you know? And then it's like, we get to this level, like what the fuck were we doing? Like I can just snap my fingers if I really want to and shift the whole, the whole thing. But like, it doesn't need to be as hard as it is. No, no. And that's kind of blowing me away. Just the dismantling of like push hard, do, 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 produce, produce to, have my own business and expand my own business. And really what I see is like, yeah, there's a part of that where you take aligned action and you learn the skills and whatever to build a business. But there's also such an energetic component to all of it. And the deeper I do my own work within myself, the more I'm just things flow and like the most perfect clients come in at the most perfect time. And it's these divine appointments. And I'm like, huh, like, do I, can I really just chill out and I don't have to panic and worry? I mean, now I don't really, but the first three years of my business, I was like, it's going really well. Oh, maybe not. Oh, maybe no, like very up down. And now I'm just trusting. I'm not, I've really learned to trust the process of life in every area. Finally. Only right. took me 42 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have such a point. It's so funny. Cause we were, we were just talking about like, how I was up super late i was like oh man i'm like doing so much stuff so i'm hearing you talking I'm oh like, yeah Damn. i was like yeah that sounds nice <laughs> because that's i mean great and like we have to experience that too you know we have to go through those like blood sweat and tear moments like mm-hmm. is it sustainable to always do that no it's like going through the hard messy painful stuff and having the excruciating moments is not sustainable We were just talking about how, you know, people are blowing their nervous systems out left and right. And it's really people's addiction to their own stress and to their own suffering that just perpetuates it and continues the cycle. Mm -hmm. So if we're able to recognize that the season is there, because there is, at least for me, this like deep masochistic pleasure. And we've talked about this, Jess, this -hmm. like deep masochistic, masochistic pleasure of wanting to feel the suffering again and again and again to where you know, the line starts to blur between like pain and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Same thing in like King BDSM. It's like, mm-hmm. at what point do we go from like green to yellow and from yellow to red? And sometimes like it goes from <laughs> green to red really fast. Yeah. Because yeah. like our perception of agreement and expectation with what, you know, we came here to do kind of gets in the way. And that's what I see most is like, people just make it so fucking complicated. Mm -hmm. Everything relationships, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, and relationship with self, like both like internal and external. It's Mm -hmm. like, I dated someone. I mean, we've talked about in here, like, uh, it's been like over a month now, but it was like a really fast two weeks. And I was like, and it just got really dumb really quickly. (laughs) And I was like, where, how, what, 
we could have just had fun. Like, I don't get what just happened. It's like the plane started to take off and then emergency landing and I'm standing on the tarmac. Like, I just wanted to have fun. I don't know what the fuck you got. It was like, I guess, go figure it out. I'm going to be over here having fun. I guess alone. <laughs> You're so funny. But you know, it's this, this is just so all really, really important because, yeah, I mean, Personally, and I know we can all relate to this, just knowing us, but for people listening, like I, I like intensity. I like intensity. And that's part of like the addict sort of thing. Right. And I, I just really like intensity and, and it get, it's, I don't know what it does. Makes me feel alive, makes me feel connected, makes me feel the pain that maybe needs to be excavated or whatever, just felt or acknowledged. And I finally gotten to the place where I'm like, you know what? I, I really don't want to be on that roller coaster anymore where it's like super high, super low, super high, super low. But it took, it took what it took to get me to this place where now I'm in a healthy relationship with this amazing man. That's such an angel and it's super fulfilling and it's great and it's awesome and it's calm <laughs> and it's a huge gift, but that now I'm creating subconsciously chaos for myself in other ways right like I'm late for everything right now late for everything even for this podcast thank god Nathan was like running five minutes late I'm like thank god because me too and all day chiropractor appointment late Co session with my coach late and and I'm like what am I doing like I'm creating the chaos because it's no longer coming from the relationship thank fucking god but now it's so interesting I'm like oh okay like what's here for me to learn here with this pattern grasping mm -hmm. onto something that's familiar yeah because yeah. you're now in something that's not familiar so you're moving from the familiarity <laughs> oh. outside and in another area oh. <laughs> yeah that's probably <laughs> for sure i'm like let's just have a little chaos oh i feel that i mean to a degree there's all of that which you said which i appreciate because there is this thing that lives inside of us and we were just talking on instagram about like the difference between like the subconscious and the unconscious and the the fine line between right and it's kind of that sketchy situation where it's like am i just completing this pattern and it's like this constant cycle of inquiry where contentment is the obvious solution right right i just wrote about this <laughs> oh while i love I was, it while i was in utah <clears throat> i was up till like three or four in the morning couldn't sleep stressed out facing these like very legitimate yet irrational fears of death you know we had talked about the, the year that I had and some mm -hmm. things that I'm working through now that I'm actually going to be working with someone on but mm -hmm. you know having these consistent and also like cyclical and cynical thought processes that just take mm -hmm. me down so many wormholes around questioning purpose and questioning meaning and questioning you know, why did my soul choose this body and choose this life? And, you know, feeling all this, you know, pinned up chaos, you know, manifesting his anger towards self in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just me at 3am sometimes. And that's something I've just grown to be content with, you know, right. and it's like, the judgment of why do I keep doing this? And, yeah. you know, something's wrong, or something needs to be completed. It's like, but that is actually the thing that's driving the ship yes <laughs> the thing steering the ship yes actually acknowledge that something's off 
So we call in more things to help support the narrative of things feeling off. So I'm like sitting here, I'm like, contentment is the obvious solution. But really, it's a very fine line between being content in our circumstances and settling for mediocrity. And, yes. and that's kind of the thing that I've been sitting with recently because I can sit here and try to say I'm a perfectionist and that I'm a procrastinator, or I just really meticulously go through details to ensure that things are the highest level of integrity. So mm -hmm. is it that I'm procrastinating to where I'm going to shave myself or being late to all these things? Or can I just recognize that I'm in a season of doing things this way because it's serving the best and highest utility of my consciousness? Or is it divine timing? So not procrastination at all. It's just things are going to get done and the time they're going to get done, you're going to show up somewhere at the time you're supposed to show up somewhere. And like, then it all just kind of like, if, if we really want to let go, let go of control about all of it. Right. Yeah. Like just make it so time. hard. Yeah. We make it so hard, but it's like, okay. But we want to beat ourselves up too. We want to constantly think there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. This must be me. It must be me. And it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. That's the masochistic pleasure. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm just continuing to feed off this idea that's bringing me pleasure in a weird sort of way because really I'm just feeling pain because I spent 20 years, 25 years of my life just pushing my pain away. So now I'm spending the last three months trying to feel it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. See, this is why I love Nathan. He just like, like just, in one sentence just encapsulates what's happening right mm -hmm. and i mean i would love nathan for if you were open to it just share a little bit about more about you because i was just gonna ask that yeah i, I wanted to ask like what what brought you on the path to do the work to the level of the work that you do because we i i feel like we all i mean it's it's you know things that come up that were pushed in a certain direction right and um you know in 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 what I observe is more women than men do the work in general anyway. And it's so refreshing to, <laughs> to connect with men that actually, you know, follow the calling and do the work because I know a lot of men have like the knocking on the door, but they want to stay in their lower vibrational selves and continue the cycle on those paths um, to whatever divine timing, timing for them. But yeah, I would love to hear about what brought you to this space and Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah in just 500 words or less so i you know i don't have i can do that okay you can make as long as you want I, <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna also would love and you're so good at this anyways but maybe just weaving in like maybe the past and then what's been happening the last year or so in your life and because that's been so much. And then I want you to go into your future projections of all the timelines that you think could possibly come from here. And if you could do that as well. Um, so this is going to be a parallel dimension theory masterclass. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And we can go to past lives if we have time. We'll see. That's cool. I do past life regressions too. We can go down that road. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> like I'm here for it. I'm here for it all. Um, okay. Yeah. So before I even go into mine, I want to just speak to the thing that you mentioned around men versus women. Mm -hmm. And I just did a relationships workshop in one of the masterminds that I'm in. And we had Stefano Safandos and Dr. Matt Townsend come in. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why there are so many more women coming into the space. And it's something that I've just become more aware of. And I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Matt Townsend's work. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, he just completely PhD in relationship stuff. 
but he talks about like the gender differences between men and women and different character strengths. And one thing that he said, and you know, a lot of people might know this, a lot of people might not, is that men seem to make decisions based off of status and hierarchy, whereas women make decisions from love and connection. Mm. And if you really look at like, quote unquote, the work, which is essentially just healing our shit, then, you know, that is an act of connection, right? Because it's like connecting to the mm. inner child. It's connecting to the fractured parts of ourselves. It's connecting to the love that lives inside the pain. And if we pursue that from a place of hierarchy, it's never going to land. So a lot of men have a hard time wrapping their cognitive minds around it. So they need to see science and logic. They need to see reason. They need to see how it's going to contribute to the betterment of their place in the world from a place of hierarchy that doesn't come from ego. Mm -hmm. I just want to plant that because I think that a lot of men need to hear that. And a lot of women might need to hear that to understand men more. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like just that alone it's like there are more women than more men is kind of feeding the narrative whereas right even though that inherently is true there's a reason for it that a lot of people don't seem to understand and there's this big thing especially since the barbie movie came out that there's this like patriarchal um, dystopian world and the utopian feminist world is is like the more idealistic you know reality when in reality (laughs) what we need to do is kind of bridge that gap, right? And bring that. Yeah, because it's not even that. It's not even like, we have to go back to the, no, it's, it's, it is coming into the balance and honoring the balance and honoring both Mm -hmm. places, right? Both sides. Because if people are too far in their masculine, that off balances it one way, even for women, right? I ran in my masculine for way too long. And then, but also going way too far in the feminine for everyone off balances it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it, it is us being really called to like in ourselves coming into that balance in ourselves first and foremost, but then allowing everyone to come to, to the table to balance that out um, on the macro scale as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because there are distortions in it, just like there's a lot of distortions around gender itself right now. So of mm-hmm. course, right. maybe distortions on the energetic principle level. And yeah. both sides have been hijacked, really. Both yeah. sides like <laughs> have been like, you know, we're not like, just cause I'm sitting here, I'm doing the work. Like, no, I've definitely been in my toxic feminine and done some weird shit. And like, you know, I am not, I don't know what I, you're talking about. I'm not on the good side. Hashtag stay toxic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, I mean, both sides, I mean, there's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's coming up to the table, not in their whole selves and doing some weird ass shit at this point. And, you know, totally i still yeah. do that shit sometimes yeah i mean me too I still do that shit sometimes. it's like 3 a.m and i'm like i feel like doing something sketchy right now <laughs> oh what can i do that would make me question my level of See, i can like i can only world. be good for so long i'm like okay now the fire is burning i'm feeling a little itchy i want to climb a wall what can i go fuck up <laughs> yeah and totally and that's what i'm learning how to do that in a, in a healthier like and no a healthier way i mean no fucking judgment because i have been a total psycho many times in my life and could probably be later today so but but also <laughs> i'm learning how to get that itch scratched in a way that doesn't hurt myself i guess is how right. i should say this um, is why I have multiple guns and a garage full of ammunition. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, whatever gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes like, there's prayers and sometimes it's time to pray and spray, you know? I mean, <laughs> to pray and spray. 
That's amazing. Yeah. That's, a, that's an army. I'm term. from Minnesota and I've never heard that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you spend enough time in the military, you'll pick up some things. Okay. For yeah, sure. that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, is that where you got your trauma or did, or did the trauma throw hey. you into the military? Hey. <laughs> and I got shot at more in Phoenix than the military. Oh my God. Um, I just heard that on your podcast before. And I was like, what the, you told me that story before, but I didn't know the details of it, you mm -hmm. know? Wow. Yeah. I think that's a good segue into the personal journey piece. Yes. Um, so yeah, my trauma came from like before I was even born, I guess, you know, I've, I have a interesting relationship in telling my story in relation to trauma alone, because I don't want to make it about trauma because mm -hmm. it's not about trauma. It's about the awakening of the innocence that I never really knew. Mm. And I want to preface it through that context and that lens, because regardless of whatever I'm about to say, it's not inherently a trauma conversation as much as it is a commitment to the journey. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I say that because a lot of people might get mixed up in that. It's also, you know, context for harm reduction purposes, which is uh, a factor of responsibility, which I'm sure we'll talk about when it comes to responsibility and integrity and what we see in the space, what we see in the world. So from sustaining, you know, abuse in the womb to being initiated into this life with a very chaotic household, chaotic upbringing. My father was in the Marine Corps. His dad was in the, in Vietnam. They come from a line of Catholic priests. And then on my grandmother's side, being full Japanese and having that whole lineage. And then my mother's side, her mother started Mormon. And my mother went through some pretty crazy shit, you know, far maybe worse perceivably that I would see because I couldn't imagine what she went through, nor will I ever. And yeah, the family itself was just very chaotic. It was not so peaceful, I guess. I don't remember a lot of moments before six or seven, as most people don't. But I do know that I attempted suicide at a very young age, about seven years old when I swallowed a ball of pills. I went to school and kind of endured the bullying and humiliation. Didn't really have any friends up until high school. And then I hit puberty and everything changed. I grew like 10 inches and got muscular and, you know, <laughs> got my braces and glasses off. And people were like, oh my God, look at this hottie. But like nobody knew that they were in school with me for the last nine years, which kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, it's kind of when I started developing maybe this like narcissistic, pretty privileged attitude, which mm. I've been like navigating because there's always this glorification by my mother and mm. suppression by my father. And it kind of created this uh, pathway for me to just, inherently developed narcissistic tendencies so that just inflated it over time and after my parents divorce I took it really tough I was also a mixed martial artist since I was five so I immediately started taking a lot of anger out on people because my dad wasn't around and mm. I thought I could do whatever I wanted and I hurt a lot of people because mm. I love to fight <laughs> I loved to fight I still do mm -hmm. um, I just don't punch random people in the face anymore. I have agreements and there are gloves involved and we normally hug and shake or something afterwards. And it's a completely different paradigm, mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed it. 
because I never really had a relationship to love as much as I did to pain. And I had this really distorted, you know, perception of what love was and how love was expressed and how I received love for inflicting pain on other people. It was really interesting. So that of course created a, we'll call it a divine opportunity for me to be recognized by some gang members in Phoenix. And they were like, Hey, you want to join a club? Come on. You know, we'll sign the sign of some paperwork here. We'll, you know, put you in this little room and, you know, four of us, we're going to jump you in. I said, okay, cool. I ended up fighting all four of them and kind of kick all their asses. (laughs) So they're like, Oh, we know what you're going to use you for. Um, And that's why my nickname back in the day was beast. I have it tattooed on my chest. I got that when I was 16 years old. Oh, I didn't know that first tattoo. Yeah. And that was the life I lived until I eventually got addicted to heroin. Of course, everything under the sun that led up to that. I was selling ecstasy. I moved, you know, basically out of my mom's house at 16, 17, got kicked out several times, had a girlfriend and had a baby. I was selling drugs out of the house. I was doing heroin, selling heroin, got mixed up in some pretty sketchy situations, armed robberies, a lot of things that eventually led up to the moment where I almost died to a gunshot, pretty much. Almost died by gunshot, I should say. Mm-hmm. So finished up the robbery, got the back window shut out, bullet hole in the dashboard, raced off, did the whole thing. And then about two weeks later, uh, armor recruiter showed up on my door. And in that two-week period, my mom and sister sat me down and told me, like, if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to wind up dead or in prison. And I took that to heart because I knew I needed help. And I actually reached out to my sister, which is what initiated that conversation. And then once the armor recruiters showed up, it was uh, kind of game over for that life. You know, I really started trying to do my best. I made it up like two years of high school within one year, just so I can graduate on time. Left for basic training a month after my 18th birthday. Served for five and a half years. Got married, got divorced, had a daughter, deployed. Um, at my son's mom and I got medically discharged March 2016 and I was rated at 100% disabled with 31 different diagnosed conditions eight to nine different recommended medications and I was also a bodybuilder at the time ironically mm. right you can't run but you can lift 400 pounds and that was kind of the nature of the military. If you can't run, you can't fight. Mm. But you can squat a lot. And that's basically all you can do. <laughs> so the military helped me really find fitness. It helped me find my health. It helped me find other activities that kind of replace those addictive tendencies. But those became my addictions, which then led to unhealthy patterns of vanity mm. and different ways that I can mask my pain through armors and armors of muscle. So when I got out, I thought, hey, fitness is gonna be great. I literally only knew how to work out. So mm. I became a personal trainer, did that for about a year. Uh, ended up becoming, you know, a professional bodybuilder, got my pro card, the whole nine yards, was getting ready for the next show, lean on a granite counter, March 2017, one year later, snapped off, ripped my whole hand open, went through seven months of rehab, quarter million dollars in medical surgeries. And during that time, contemplated suicide very strongly to the point where I was literally just holding a gun in my hand until the suicidal thoughts would go away. Mm. And one of those moments where I got very, very close, 
I got a call from one of my clients and she invited me to Landmark. That was May 2017. And that's when I really started doing the work. When I started becoming more familiar with the language, I wouldn't say I actually started doing the work. I just started putting myself in different rooms to learn the language. Because as we know, we get into this work and now all of a sudden people are using fancy words like stories and containers and downloads. Sacred <laughs> spaces. Yeah, instead of Big just calling, calling it what it is. You yeah, tender download, heart. AKA a thought. You had a thought. Perfect. You had a thought that you're perceiving came from God. Perfect. Yeah. I have a lot to say in, in those aspects, but really, um, I really started doing the work after a really bad breakup mm -hmm. and man, that heartbreak, I was really manipulative. I was more than likely narcissistically abusive on many occasions. I really didn't understand how to love myself. And I outsourced that 100% to her. I get that. And that was really rude awakening, you know, coming home and not having any of her stuff in the apartment anymore, pretty much. And saying like, I'm fucking done. I can't do this. I need to get the fuck mm. away from you. Mm. And I stayed in that apartment for like three days. Didn't eat, didn't sleep, cried, screamed everything for 72 hours until I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I'm the fucking problem. Mm. And it doesn't matter how much you know, education I got or how much DMT I smoked or how many mushrooms I ate, because those weren't going to solve the problem. You know, I really had to go inside of the very sadistic and, you know, narcissistic, psychopathic parts of me to really understand that I was just utilizing the only thing that I knew, which was just chaos, violence, pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to create it again and again and again, because I was trying to resolve something. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, at the expense of her, I felt something. And that was the thing that pushed me into the direction that I needed to. And of course, I found a community and I got attracted to fit for service with Aubrey Marcus. And I went into that mastermind. And this is back in 2018, 2019. Yeah. And polyamory was the topic of conversation then. So I was like, oh, broken heart polyamory can heal that <laughs> bad idea <laughs> really fucking bad idea especially with narcissistic codependent tendencies oh yeah because not only was i dependent on other people for the validation and to be seen as this like fit spiritual muscle guy the you know oh my god he's gorgeous but oh my god he knows the language too really and you know some women they go crazy over that without actually knowing what they're getting into because we see a lot of that it's yes. what we would call like the spiritual fuckboys. I was a spiritual fuckboy. Mm -hmm. I knew the language. I wore the malas, but behind closed doors, I was fucking off. And I was yeah. not embodied at all. I was, you could have started a cult right then and there. <laughs> oh, I pretty much almost did. I pretty much almost did. I almost started a men's organization right after finding men's wow. work in COVID. And I was like, damn, this feels super culty, but I like it. <laughs> and of course I had a business partner at the time and we were kind of feeding that beast together so it wasn't really helping the fact that we were just reflecting back each other's shit mm -hmm. and eventually that kind of fell apart because you know sacred sons came into the picture and then a lot of other 
opportunities started coming forward and I really started going deep and really started going deep in the right way, I should say, because you can go deep as much as you want, but awareness without action is just pain. And I've said that so many times that I had all the awareness, all the knowledge, all the words, all the language, all the books, all the podcasts, but I was still going out, getting drunk, doing Coke. Why? Oh, because I'm locked up during COVID. (laughs) So I just decided to just spiral back a few years and start repeating these unhealthy patterns. And I was also living with my, one of my best friends at the time who we actually first met back when we were heroin addicts. Mm. Mm. So then fast forward 10, 11, 12 years. And we're as adults living together, you can only imagine (laughs) the energy that came into that apartment. Right. And luckily my daughter wasn't like visiting at all during that time. It was COVID. So, yeah, I mean, now we're here, like, three years from COVID and just continuing to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I did a lot of training, a lot of education in this realm. I mean, last time I checked, I'm about half a million in from just wanting to feel normal to knowing how to operate a business to knowing how to lead from a place of integrity, how to have not just the vocabulary or the skill sets, but to really have the skills and strategies to implement implement information in a sustainable way that brings me closer to God and brings me closer to truth in every moment that I can. Amen to that. That's really the main topic of conversation right now for me, at least is the art of authentic leadership and Mm -hmm. somatic leadership and not just knowing how to be a leader or how to scorecard employees and contractors, but really how to lead people and how to create the environments for them to thrive, and how I can only do the things that I really want to fucking do. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not bringing me joy, I'm not fucking doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't know who is listening who and and, I mean, you know, just, it's this like coaching, like roller coaster, right? It's like, Oh, my God, I got a $10,000 a month. And then boom, shit, I spent (laughs) 20,000. Oh, I got a $15,000 a month. Oh my gosh. Somebody asked for a refund. What the hell? (laughs) What's wrong with me? Ah, Am I not a good coach? Ah, I need to see a therapist. Ah, Right. And it's just this like cyclical nature of coaching that I really, after this last year, I had to step away, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was building, I was scaling and, you know, I was starting to go really deep in like the high ticket space. And I started, you know, signing $20,000 clients. I started doing the corporate work. I started, you know, creating all of these like money generating opportunities, but you know, then my mom died Mm -hmm. and none of that shit fucking mattered anymore. Mm -hmm. None of that shit fucking mattered because I was just keeping myself so busy that it really showed me how much it was taking away from the time I was spending with my family from the energy that I was investing with my children. And it showed me how much and, and really how my priorities were fucked. My priorities were fucked all for the sake of generational wealth mm-hmm. and all for the sake of, you know, ensuring that my, fu- my, my children had the future that I never had. Yeah. When it really brought me back home to the things that are really important, which is family which is connection, which is contentment in whatever circumstances and living a life of authenticity versus what 
society wants me to adopt as my identity. And it was actually a workshop with Nick Onkin that kind of lit this up back in Tulum back in December. Mm -hmm. And he took us through a masterclass with identity alchemy. Mm. For those who don't know Nick Onkin, I would look him up. He's an awesome dude. He does like branding for like Justin Bieber, Usher, Tony Robbins, amazing photographer, hat designer, and just overall super epic human. So please like look him up. I love you, Nick. And that's kind of where spiritual psychopath was born. And it was a conversation with my good friend, Rachel Gibbler, who has the It's Fucking Spiritual podcast. And she's fucking awesome. Go look her up too. (laughs) You know, and I just started calling in all these people, right? And by calling in, I was just magnetizing it Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to see people like that. And I wanted to embody that shit because I had all the skills and strategies. I could help all my clients through some of the deepest shit ever. But then when I'm faced with the hardest thing ever, it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I don't know if I should scream right now. I don't know if I should punch someone or something right now. I wanted to basically drive up to the accident just to sit at the same spot that she died for some reason. And then I also had like these really sinister thoughts coming up, like legitimately thinking about murdering someone Mm -hmm. because I was still to this day getting the paperwork from the courts showing who it's addressed to with their address. So that's constant work for me to not want to do something. And I've been dancing with this, right? And I'm not going to do anything. I hope people know this. But when someone is perceived to be taken from you because of a lack of awareness, Mm -hmm. because my mom was sideswiped, sent into oncoming traffic on her motorcycle. That shit shouldn't have happened if somebody was self-aware. And that is what I think for the last year I've been finding so much frustration with is the lack of awareness in the world or the ignorance because people, one, may not even be ready for it, and that's fine. But secondly, the people who are claiming to be guides are not providing proper context or leading from a place of integrity, and it's actually creating more harm than good. Because it's not so much just the fucking awareness, it's how they're implementing it, how they're integrating it, and the rate at which they're moving it, so that way it's sustainable. And it's not just this fleeting sensation of wokeness Mm -hmm. for people to actually realize that their actions have consequences. And their actions without awareness have even greater consequences. Mm-hmm. And that shit should not be silent. Mm-mm. That shit should be known because there's a lot of twisted fucked shit that I'm seeing that I don't fucking agree with. And yeah. I don't care how aware or how conscious or how embodied I am. I'm still a human being who has a huge capacity for anger, mm-hmm. a huge capacity for anger and knowing what to do with it, which is right. why I create and build and do the things that I do because I channel yes. that anger into my purpose because I want something to change and nobody's doing anything about it. So I am. Mm-hmm. Amen. Same. And that's been like the whole year is just yeah. been fu- trying to one grieve, not trying to grieve, just grieving. It's just happening. I'm finding out not fucking around. We've talked about this a lot and I'm just honoring the ways, you know, mm-hmm. I'm finding, I'm finding the things that fill me up. I'm finding ways to generate income without actually working. I'm already on track to 
medically retire this year. I'm already on track to create things that have meaning and purpose. I'm writing my book. I'm launching this spiritual psychopath podcast. I'm doing all the things that I've put off for so long because I thought that I wasn't able to. Yeah. And after kind of reflecting on my life and my mother's life and seeing the shit that she was able to do, there's no fucking reason that I can't. Right. And that's been my year. Yeah. Kind of my story twisted up in a hopefully condensed and compact version. And I didn't meet your 500 word limit, but I did my best. You did great. Thank you. That was very compelling. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. That's a lot. I just felt like I'm in the middle of watching Sons of Anarchy right now. Like I'm late to the game, we know. Um, and I'm like towards the end of the series, but like I'm like, I'm you're like you're sons of anarchy to me. Like the shit that you're talking about. I'm like, oh, you just like living it out over there. That was more my mom's life. She was actually kind of into all the biker stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, she had hitchhiked back to the United States after being dumped off in Mexico with Hell's Angels and truckers, and wow. that was her life. So maybe wow. that's her coming through me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like the revenge, you know, and someone does something and then they need to go and like, you know, it's a, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a journey. That's I mean, that was my job in gangs. Yeah. Somebody did something and they're like, beast. Okay. Yeah. Where do they live? Yeah. And I'd go. I'd be like, I'd take three, four guys with me and then go do our thing. Yeah. And I yeah. wouldn't think twice about it. Mm -hmm. and this is what I find so refreshing about you Nathan is that like yeah you've done a shit ton of work on yourself and also we're also human and you really speak to that and the fact that like yeah I had these thoughts that were like super dark and just bringing it to the light and sharing it because I think we all have I know I do like crazy like the 3 a.m 3 a.m like mental whatever that is I'm like oh yes but now it's like just I know what that is you know when that comes up and I'm like oh okay it's like a thought loop that I'm stuck in or whatever it is but that's what I find so refreshing about you is that you really just tell the truth about what it's like to be a human on the planet and there's no amount of work that's going to have us really transcend that because we're still humans in human bodies having a human experience and of course there's all the soul level stuff too and i find it really interesting that the patterns sort of repeat and evolve like oh this is what and that's what i used to do in a gang and now it's like oh here's that opportunity that i could really take that same thing and go do it here but because i have the awareness now i'm actually going to choose to channel that anger and feel the grief and do the thing that maybe a, a lot of people you spoke to this on the podcast I listened to and I sent to Sarah that she didn't listen to didn't do my homework on purpose I wanted it to be fresh but you you spoke to the the like especially for men right like I really have a heart for men just because I watch the men in my family and I I just that there's just been no support or even space to feel any sort of what they carry underneath of that they're just carry with them every day and mm -hmm. I love that you spoke to that on the, the last podcast I listened that you did that it was like you know telling people oh you just need to feel it but like if you don't even know how like okay cool and how the fuck do I do that when I've been suppressing it from a place of needing and to my dad suppressed it and his dad suppressed it and that's all we know is to suppress it like I've never seen my father cry in my entire life when his right. mom died he would just go for walks in the woods and <laughs> I don't know what he did out there 
Mm. You know, like he won't even say, I love you. My dad's never said, I love you to me out loud with his words ever in my entire existence. And he does Mm. things for me, like his love language is to like to do, right? So it's like, I know he loves me. It's not like that, but it's like that, that expression of emotion of things. It's like, it's just so buried. I see it in him. It's so Mm. squished down. And Mm. like, it's interesting. He doesn't even smile for pictures. And then my cousin posted a picture of him and he's like, super smiling I was like who's that guy (laughs) okay you know but it's just it's sad to see to to have observed him in my my whole life you know Mm -hmm. he was in the navy and he had a very his dad died before I was born and so I never Mm -hmm. I know his dad was very kind of just he went to work and he just like you know wasn't even really interactive that much with him and his two brothers and like so he took it to another level with my brother and I by being more like involved but then me being a girl my mom's like well he never had any sisters he doesn't know how to handle a girl and so I'm just like this awkward appendage to the family you know trying to like (laughs) have a relationship with someone who can't even like you know and I'm like super emo emotional like so then my brother kicked my ass for that so I get that of like then just to survive to Mm -hmm. have to suppress emotion it's really hard for me to cry now I don't really cry a lot yeah um but that's the off putting on me of who is extremely emotional and feels absolutely everything to the nth degree that I had to endure that suppression suppression of, and then I saw how that played out in relationships, in working, in this and that. And I've been unraveling that and healing that for the past two years of just getting myself back to that, to mm-hmm. that base place where I can be a female and be emotional and also be a very empathic human being um, who's now hypervigilant and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's something that we, I know the three of us share is that we just feel everything. We feel all the things and we feel very, very deeply. And I find it, I think a lot of people actually are sensitive, but they, they haven't learned how to feel or process or move through it. So instead we try to run from it and anesthetize it in whatever way, right? Like with addictions or anger or whatever, like to try to soothe those feelings or run from them or avoid them. Um, But that like, I mean, a lot of the men in my family have died by suicide because of this reason, I believe. And then it does, it impacts me as well. But I do think as women, we at least have safe spaces with, if we can find other safe women, we can cry together and it's, it's okay. Right. But like for men, it's like, men don't cry. You know, men can be angry, but they sure can't fucking cry because then you're a pussy or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. it's like, there's so many layers. And I just see like, you're not free if you're living with all of this suppression just in your cells and in your body and so it passed down generation to generation to generation I got my dad and I got in a huge fight one day and when I was going through my own nonsense and like he cried for the first time in 30 years and my mom was so mad at me (laughs) like she was like you made him cry and I was like he probably needed to cry. Yeah. He should be thanking you. Not that I went about it in the right way. And but still, like that was a lot. Holding just... all that in breeds disease. Like that's where a lot of emotions get stuck in the body. I do sound uh baths, so I do sound therapy and like it's just I tell everyone if you feel an emotion, I don't care if you need to scream in the middle of it, you need to cry in the middle of it. Like we need to excavate that stuck energy that 
that emotional energy that that then it it manifests into something else and we've seen it time and time again it's just if it's not addressed it's gonna they say even um carolyn miss who i love do you know carolyn miss Mm -hmm. yeah i love i I love her work so much but she talks about like women you know the rise in breast cancer the rise in um with what, what prostate cancer right is yeah, it can be environmental, it can be this and that, but also she talks about it on a spiritual level is is not tuning into those other parts of ourselves. So mm-hmm. like not tuning into the masculine the right way, not tuning into the feminine the right way and allowing it to come and have balance, then it starts. Um, she even talks about it with women at their periods and like we don't technically need to have PMS, uh, endometriosis and all these things are just a byproduct of us being disconnected from these parts of ourselves. And then it just kind of just keeps, mm. it's not, that's not even from something exterior. It's really just from being disconnected to emotions or masculinity and femininity and all this stuff. And it's, it's and, really interesting. But to, so to bring it back full circle, right. How do you even feel it? Because I see like, I see the men in my family literally having no idea what's going on with them and not really feeling okay, but just like gritting their teeth and like keep going through the motions and like making the money and and providing and this and that, but they're not okay. And they're like, why am I not okay? I followed this societal blueprint that was like this and this and this, and I did all the things and I feel even worse than I felt before. And it's, it's a lot, but to not even know how or have the support, like a lot of my male clients do not have support at all. And, and we really need to do this in community. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. really need to hold each other and support each other in that. But what happens is then I find like the anger has to go somewhere, right? So if we don't, or whatever emotion has to go somewhere. So if we don't know how to handle or take care of ourselves and it will come out and make a mess and recreate trauma and do all of that. So anyway, that was a lot, a lot. So let's let Nathan jump into whatever he wants to speak to in that cocktail of information. (laughs) No, I appreciate that. I mean, all that's spot on, you know, and those are things that we see in society, right? It's, um, you know, even, even in the work that you mentioned with Carolyn Miss, and I would highly, highly recommend Energetic Anatomy, Mm-hmm. Um, energy anatomy by carolyn miss it's a really really revolutionary way to think and there's also a book i have it on my bookshelf it's called metaphysical anatomy by yvette rose and that's mm-hmm. actually a really cool basically the size of an encyclopedia but it really kind of talks about these metaphysical symptoms um which is a lot of this work that we're talking about it's all like metaphysical anatomy right it's mm-hmm. like breast cancer, prostate cancer, I work with a lot of like inflammation, Lyme's disease. Um, Because inflammatory disorders is basically flame inside the body, which is heat, which is fire, which is the element of anger. So -hmm. if we can really start connecting these dots to the natural elements, we can actually find potential root factors for disease, not to say it's the same thing. Because again, there's environmental EMF pollution. um, agricultural manipulation by the government which is a whole other conversation yeah as well as suppressive and oppressive forces right pharmaceuticals as a suppressive oppressive force that works closely with political agendas Mm -hmm. and is the anti-sovereign movement and that goes into a whole other plethora of things since we've been gaslit since 1871 Mm -hmm. um (laughs) considering that's when the united states was formed as a foreign entity 
But that's again another conversation. Different topic for a different day. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back and talk about that sometime. But really, we're talking about sovereignty, right? It's like because you said it, Jess, where it's like if you're still carrying all these things, then you're not free. Right. And, and to not be free is to not be sovereign, to not be autonomous, to not have any authority to choose or any agency to choose what direction we're going in life. Because as Carl Jung says, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule you and you will call it fate and, mm -hmm. or it will direct you and it will call you fate either way. Yeah. And that's kind of the conversation we were talking about just because yeah. What we're seeing right now is everybody's trying to change like their subconscious programs, right? Reprogram your subconscious mind. Oh, 95% of your behaviors is from your subconscious mind. And if you really look deeper into the evidence that Carl Jung and Wilhelm Reich and, you know, a lot of these great psychoanalysts found when modern psychology was really adopted, it's not just conscious mind, subconscious mind, unconscious mind, it's the integrative mind. And it's also the recognition that super consciousness exists mm. and we can take some of these new age systems, which have a lot of relevance and a lot of value with a lot of these ancient wisdoms and texts, whether it's from the Kabbalion to Eastern philosophy. And we start looking at the totality of what the human experience has to offer. And it really all comes back down to a lot of Ram Dass's teachings, which is to be here now and to lead with love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah. when we start going into all these different categories and issues and things that we're seeing, it's really coming down to how much capacity do we have to love as much as we have to feel and experience pain to the deepest degree to then find the place at which we really need to love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we don't necessarily always think like that, right? Yeah. We feel all the things to the deepest nth degree, but really are we equipped with the skills, with the strategies and the support, like you said, to be in community, to be seen to where we don't carry the shame that was given to us before we even had a choice to be born or not. Mm -hmm. Right. It's ancestral. Yes. And that is in the unconscious stuff. That was that uh, you know, Instagram conversation. Yeah. Right. I, and I even told you, right. It's like yes. your subconscious mind is like the, the operating system that your current software is running on, but the unconscious is the malignant soft, like virus and software and malware that's tearing apart and ripping up your files from years and years and years ago that you don't even realize is impacting how your operating system is performing on a daily basis. Oh, subconscious, you. unconscious. Thank you, Nathan. Literally, there's a, that. There's a thin line. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and here's the thing. It's like, this is a frustration that I have. As long as you're operating from your conscious mind and you are creating skills and strategies from a place of executive function, which is to solve a problem consciously, you cannot heal your unconscious with the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. Healing happens on an unconscious level. It's an instinctual and ingrained thing that lives inside of your body without any story or meaning attached to it. And that's what we know of trauma now. Yes. So if we can get rid of this fucking old paradigm bullshit, subconscious mind mastery stuff, and just realize it's not about the subconscious or the unconscious. It's bringing the three worlds together. Yes. It's being integrative, holistic human beings who are 100% themselves 
100% of the time. Mm -hmm. That's as easy as we can make it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And yeah, thank you. I love the way that you explain and articulate everything. It's really very masterful and just that's exactly it. Like we make it all too fucking complicated. Everything. We all think something's wrong with us. We all have these stories that, and it's interesting, right? Because if we, if we kind of all connect vulnerably, we have very similar stories, right? Like something's wrong with me. I need to get to this level before I can have this thing. Like I need to do this, this, and this, blah, blah, blah. I can have it, but I can't yeah, have it. Other people this, can have it. I mean, we like, <laughs> It, we really, really do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's I mean, that's why I started this platform was to just have a transparency like and I just over the years, this is my fourth season and I just share everything because my household was so quiet. Did they no one talked about anything? So I'm just like and I like I think I've like over vomited to people about my life and in so many places that were like, you know, I'm like waiting tables and just vomiting to a customer. Cause I'm like, I just need to talk, you know? So I've, I've, I've condensed it into <laughs> here, but so, cause the more we're honest and open about what we're going through, then mm-hmm. other people think that they're not so crazy or so wrong or so alone broken or, you know, like we, we kind of, at this point, we all, yeah, we all have like really similar stories and really similar things the 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 wording might be different you know the actual like plot points might be different but at the end of the day we're all carrying all the shit and we don't know what to do with and we're starting to figure out what to do with but we didn't have the tools before and we we've just we have been bumbling along and just trying to just figure it out like I talk about that in like just the spiritual journeys I was born in 1980 in Minnesota is all very like Catholic religious and I since a very young age knew that I could see things and knew things that no one else around me did and I questioned my religion at three years old and like that was the beginning to my journey because I was like this isn't right like this and I would walk into a church and I would like feel like literally like I was burning I would start crying I would want I would need to get out and and then I would get in trouble for crying because I'm being disruptive and I'm like this whole, so mm-hmm. my path in, in the eighties, we didn't get what internet till like 98 or something. I don't remember. I had no one to talk to and I had all these things going on. And I had a path that I needed to just figure out on my own. And it wasn't until I moved to LA when I was 20 years old, did I start meeting people that started to put words to mm-hmm. things that I was experiencing and it was just, it, it was a really hard journey because mm-hmm. if I being Catholic was told, if you don't, you know, think and feel like we're telling you, then you're a horrible person. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just a horrible person. So I went off and just was a horrible person. <laughs> I'm already going to hell clearly. So let's just have a good time going there. <laughs> oh, I feel that. Mm. Oh, I feel Until that. I was like, wait, oh, okay, I 
at what's going yeah. on now, but you know, and it it did. It sent me on some pretty, some pretty interesting uh, paths that I did a lot more damage and caused a lot more trauma. And because I, I tell people, I'm like, I'm a yes person. Like, I'll just be like, sure, that sounds great. And then I'm like, oh, that was a little traumatic. I need to now go do some. <laughs> I'm going to carry that one for a good few years. <laughs> that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I really should have thought that one through. But then here we go. I mean, I think everything shapes you and brings you to be able to be more relatable with more people. And I do think it's all on purpose, no matter how much it sucks and no matter how painful it is. I do too. I do believe we come and design our life before we get here. And, you know, and it, it is for the greater good if we decide to to take the free will path of doing something good with it instead of still causing destru- destruction to mm-hmm. yourself and others. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for me, like the difference between coaching and therapy that really, I feel like shifted my life dramatically was actually hearing like Nathan coached me for a while, hearing that he's actually walking a similar path to me and going through the same shit and navigating it in real time almost, or maybe just like a few weeks before me sometimes. And it was like, oh, thank God like okay cool someone else is also walking through this really deep like alchemical excavation process that really makes me feel like I don't even know if I want to be on the planet at some points you know and to know that he was having a similar experience and same with Ama and Santos right like what I love about them when they do conscious partnership work with couples is they talk about their lives their own relationship, things they're navigating in the present moment, things they've navigated in the past. And it's so healing. And the, you know, the typical or the traditional like therapist client relationship is like the therapist doesn't really share anything, like maybe a tiny little bit, but it's mostly the client sharing. And so there's a lack of a heart centered connection Mm -hmm. and there's a lack of healing from that space because it is all like a lot of it's intellectual. So like we were saying, you know, yeah, I had therapy for 10 years. Cool. I understand why I'm the way I am yet. I'm still creating chaos in all of my romantic relationships and with like employers and with some friends and what the fuck am I even doing and how do I create a shift and something that Nathan really is passionate about too is like the somatic work in the body right because you can't like you said you can't think your way into whatever needs to be healed you actually have to feel it in the body so yeah I mean even just on that note I think it's really important to mention like the therapy path, the coaching path, the somatic path, they're relatively very similar and different. I mean, I remember when I was in university, the very little time that I spent there until I realized it was a giant waste of time, even in (laughs) psychology one-on-one, it's like the purpose of cognitive behavioral therapy, or even just talk therapy in general is to validate their experience. That's what they're taught. And is it really doing someone justice to validate their victimhood? Is it really doing them justice to validate their story around their pain to where it becomes a part of their identity? Or is it further damaging? Does it actually deviate them further away from self? You know, and Jess, you were a licensed therapist, you know, it's like, those are the things that the system teaches just to keep people indoctrinated into the belief and into the victimhood into the system that keeps us stuck. That keeps us from a lack of And unconscious to their actions in the world because now they have that story and they hold on to it and then they go out and what you feel you want to make vengeance for is exactly that. There's no responsibility. 
Right. There's just putting a bandaid on it and, and, oh, you know, like, like not really like, well, what, okay, great. You have X, Y, Z. What are you going to do about it? And what are you going to change about it? Instead of like just paying however many hundreds of dollars every time to come back and just circle through the same loops for 10 years <laughs> and nothing happened. It's like, shit, and this is what we're talking about. It's like, ah, three years. Damn. I wish I would make up 30 years of this trauma already. God, what's the problem? <laughs> oh, wait, I'm the problem. Uh, Always yeah, yeah. 99.99% of the time, unless I tolerate somebody's shit. I'm still the problem. Guess what? <laughs> yes. Oh. And that, and, but that's like the deepest, I mean, I just did a journey after taking a year and a half off of doing any kind of plant medicine, psychedelics, whatever. Cause I was in my own personal psychedelic journey without any psychedelics just in life. Um, but that you was, were in the bad trip. <laughs> okay. You know, Is we don't like to call trip, it that. I know, I know. You know what I mean though. Bad You're... trip or necessary trip. For, yeah. yeah for, lack exactly. of, for lack of a better word, bad trip. But like, I always say like, <laughs> what's good, what's bad, whatever. But like, um, but I have to say, like this last experience I had really brought everything full circle. And what I was seeing, because my coach mentor, Ama, she was she was there and she she she's amazing. But she called me out on a couple things that were like my place and my side of the street and my responsibility, not from a place of to send me into a shame spiral, but to really, first of all, help me see things because sometimes we can't like just illuminate things that she could see that I can't yet see and give me the opportunity to clear and move through some of that and learn so that I can expand more and grow and do the work that I do in the world better, right? Like, so I was really grateful and I was seeing like, that it's always our responsibility. Like it's, that's was the one of the underlying themes of this journey that I just experienced was like, and that's not a bad thing. That's actually where our true power lies is like, whatever's happening out here, out here, out here, it's my responsibility mm -hmm. to show up and handle my side of the street. And what's the opportunity here for me to grow and expand and learn. And yeah, people might do some bullshit and they're going to, and it doesn't mean that you're creating them to do that, but like, whatever your side of the street is, that's where your, your power lies. I don't know if I'm explaining it yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah. what I'm hearing, too, is also that your responsibility is your roadmap for results, right? right? Because responsibility yeah. broken down is the ability to respond. If you yes. don't have an ability to respond, and you have a dysregulated system, if you have, you know, all of these covert contracts, or if you have these areas of your life that are out of integrity, then that's fundamentally going to pave a pathway to hell, even with positive intentions. Mm. But when we really look at it, responsibility is the key right to the lock of life as i would see it right because this is all we talk about in somatic therapies you know and i have again extensive background so i have a more multidisciplinary outlook on things and i kind of fuse it with the transpersonal world and spiritual understanding and you know psychological development and things of that nature mm -hmm. and even in somatic therapies somatic experiencing primarily we have the size strength and speed of the organism right? Size is the capacity that we have to hold. The strength is the intensity that we have the ability to move our container, our flesh body. And then the speed, which is the pace at which energy needs to move to facilitate the intensity necessary to increase capacity for positive growth. And that's, that's the disconnect. And there's a lack of responsibility and mm -hmm. ownership and context, specifically in the coaching world as what I'm seeing you know, and I don't 
really subscribe anymore to being as much of a coach as I am a counselor, because that's really the, you know, pathway, at least that I see is to, to seek counsel, right. Is to seek wisdom, to awaken the thing that we already know that lives inside of us, at least how I define it. No, I love that. And I love, I love that you said covert contracts, like (laughs) covert, covert contracts that we have running underneath the surface that we're not even aware of that are continuing the narrative or supporting the stories that we're telling that really are nothing other than repeated thought patterns. And we're recreating the very thing that we don't want to recreate by speaking it into existence and you know, operating from those covert contracts. And it's really funny that you mentioned the coach thing, because whenever someone calls me like coach Jess, I'm like, whoa, like I get this, like, you don't put a baseball cap on and you don't get a bat out with your softball. (laughs) But I really don't, it doesn't feel right to me. And I love that you spoke to like coach Jess, because it's my Instagram handle because it's what I do and whatever algorithm, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, coach Jess feels just off to me. So thank you for just bringing language to even that, that like counseling feels much more aligned with this work for me too. Yeah. I mean, there's just more flexibility too, you know, cause it's like, I remember in the fitness industry, right. I was doing like neuromus- neuromuscular rehab and I was kind of dancing the line between like fitness and physical therapy. And I was kind of that middle ground in between and doing some manual therapies um, that, you know, the, the boards, the licenses and laws may have interpreted as impersonating a doctor or whatever the fucking story was. And that kind of opened me up to like the sensitivity and also the pathological narcissism that kind of comes with the system. Right. And that's why like a lot of people, I mean, much like yourself, I think we talked about this is that coaching gives you more flexibility and freedom to do what you need to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you carry a license, then you're inhibited or limited to only doing the very thing that your license says you can do, which actually robs you of your creative energy, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And that's kind of how I see facilitation. That's why, I mean, that's why I went down the reverend pathway. Like mm-hmm. I don't sit here and preach from a pedestal. I don't sit here and tell people what entity or deity to subscribe to or what laws or commandments to abide by. I simply just found a pathway that gives me full freedom to guide people however the fuck I want and still stay protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's simply it. And it gave me access to all this like post-doctorate training and all these other different things that I probably wouldn't have had access to without spending seven years and building $120,000 worth of debt. Right. Guaranteed. I accumulated that debt other ways, but I would rather owe myself money than a school or a government or the state or whatever, you know? And I think that's just like really important to know too, that, you know, the title doesn't define what your ability is in the world, right? It doesn't, I can't tell you how many titles I have at this point. And yeah. it's just like, my title is whatever. And we talked about this before you came on. It's like, should yeah. I call you Reverend Nathan Kohlerman? Like, no, I'm just, <laughs> my name is Nathan Thomas Kohlerman. <laughs> you know, and it, it can be that simple too. That's why I like my handle on social media has been Nathan Kohlerman this whole time. Right. If, if I put something in front of it, then chances are it's just, for me at least, making someone curious. Right. Um, yeah. And that's kind of just what I like to do. I like to say things that people are like, what does that mean? 
How does that work? I'm glad you asked. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I like to await the invitation. So I have to create a way right. for you to ask a question for me to then accept the invitation to tell you exactly what the fuck is in my head with full consent and permission. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're both projectors, Nathan and I too. So in human design. So yeah, you have to you wait for the invitation, but that's really beautiful. Like creating a place where a question can be asked and then you're invited and then you can share. But I love what you say, because people ask me, you know, what's your training? Like what, what, what's your blah, blah, blah. Like, why can you do what you do basically in terms of the societal paradigm of what makes us skilled? And mm-hmm. like, I can say, you know, I have a master's in occupational therapy and I've had a shit ton of therapy myself. I've done a lot of coaching. I've done a lot of certifications. I've done training and trauma work. And, but what really, really makes me able to do this is my own life training, like the school of life. Life more valuable than as my teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but this, but that the dismantling of, of the structures and paradigms in society, right. That keep us in these boxes that don't allow us to show up in our true essence that is aligned with our gifts, which is how we can be of the highest service, which is how, like you, I think this ties back to something you said earlier, Nathan, but like the more we are who we are, the deeper we can serve, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of these boxes that are created by like whoever knows what they're created. So many things they're created by. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I agree to that, you know, and I think there is a level of importance there, right? It's like, People who are doing this work and who are guiding other people, 100%, you should be fucking educated. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. because that's a slippery slope, right? And I yeah. say that because there, there's a level of context that becomes more important than the content, right? Context being the fundamental understanding of it, the content being the life experience and the portrayal of it through the public image. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because, again, when you talk about responsibility and integrity, And I think that for people listening, it's important to know that, yes, the credibility, the education, the training is so important, but what's more important is how embodied or how emotionally, physically, and mentally, which is embodiment, Hmm. emotionally, physically, and mentally, the information is embedded into the hardware of the person who's leading you. Because if you're not embodied in the things that you're learning, then now you're just another thought leader spewing things on Instagram, thinking that you're making change, but really you're not actually practicing what you preach. And that is out of integrity. And that means that you're not at a level of wholeness, which means you're not serving from a level of wholeness, even though again, with positive intentions, pathways to hell are still paved with positive intentions. So there is a level of responsibility and integrity that must be upheld. And this is what we talk about in Refuge Leadership Academy is that you must first lead yourself before you lead someone else. Because there's a lot of people, and we see this a lot in the system, we'll call it the Western system, that they go to school, they get the education, they get the degree, they get the license, they get the thing because they can check the boxes and remember and regurgitate information. But then when they're sitting across the couch from someone, they're projecting all their unresolved shit to this person, telling them what to do with their life instead of actually guiding them in the way that brings them closer to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And you can feel it, right? Like Nathan, one thing that Nathan helped me with too, like he helped me with all the things, but business stuff too. And I was, we were talking about, you know, um, discovery calls, consult calls with clients. And I was sharing with him, you know, I really want to come from just my heart and a place of authenticity. And also I have like a script that I use loosely use. 
And he was like, yeah, like, I understand, you know, cause we, we did it also at training, like the similar training together um, with Chris and Lori Harder. And I learned from someone in that, in that training anyway. Um, what you were sharing with me though, Nathan is like, anytime you revert back to a script or something like that, like people are going to sense that that isn't authentic. And really the, the work is to deeply listen. Right. And so ever since we had that session, I've just been doing that. I'm like, because the script doesn't going back to like coach doesn't feel authentic to me. The script doesn't either. I'm like, I don't like the script. I'm definitely not overcoming objections, like no fucking way, but I, I'm not doing that, but like, but you can feel it. If you're someone out there that's looking for support, right? You can feel it. If somebody is truly embodied in the work that they're doing, you can feel it. And that will guide you more than anything. Right. I mean, that goes Mm -hmm. with like literally everything. Energy is speaks louder than any word, anything. If you just tune in and trust what you're feeling or trusting the flow or trusting even a shift, right? that yeah the minute someone goes to a script it's that mm-hmm. that's like the disconnection you know it's like mm-hmm. i mean it's like the same thing in sex right if someone's gonna go uh-huh. like they're in it they're deep in it right and then they're gonna like go to something they saw on porn and it's just like well <laughs> we're all pulled out you know <laughs> i mean it's like it's like it, it can bleed into everything right the minute you're not yeah. in the moment and it's about coming back to the moment or coming back yeah. into what's true in that time. And it, it is like, I mean, it's acting one-on-one as well is like putting the attention on the other person, listening to the lines that they're saying before you speak your next line. I mean, we could literally put that into like every category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sitting over here <laughs> laughing because the image came up just like mid stroke and reaching under my bed for a Tantra book to reread how to do this <laughs> reading pattern. It's like, hold on, baby, one minute. Hold on, just, just let me read this one line. And I'll be there in one second. Just deep breath. We'll just hit pause and we'll just re-record when you know that time comes. Keep the lube nearby. <laughs> That's the same shit. Yeah. Nobody, it nobody is. wants that. Nobody wants oh, that. Nobody wants that. It's, it's so much. I love that we just took this turn. I know Nathan. I don't know how much time you have left, Nathan. Um I'll, I'll make the time. Time okay. is irrelevant. Time is just the distance okay. between a thought and an emotion. Just as I was late anyway. So whatever she's doing next, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the world revolves around me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it under, we'll keep it between 10 to 15 minutes. There we go. Okay. But yeah. like, this is something that I, I don't know. I, um, whew, and this is pretty vulnerable, but fuck it. So like, as I've been, as I've been doing my own work within myself, I'm a, I've attracted men that are way more embodied and healthy sexually. Right. Which has then brought up my insecurities of like, Oh shit. Like, how do I show up in that way to match them there? And I was thinking like, and it's funny. I got, you know, I got where I was with it was like, Oh, technique. Right. Like, let me, (laughs) Like, okay, let me like learn all the little tricks and tips and things Mm -hmm. and then I'll be good. And then I'm like, wait, no, because that's not even, that's just, that's not even it. It's not even it. I've had such people that are technically good. It's like, that was technically really good. Like that was great. On paper. On paper. paper. Yeah. But do I care about, like, do I care to like, you know, no, I don't give a shit. It was technically great. That was a good time, but it wasn't a good enough time to make me like, want to yeah continue the time right because it was too it was yeah like there wasn't the other it's energy there was no energy right and this is all about the energy 
Yes. And the energy does is what creates it to be a, a really like fulfilling, satisfying experience. But that is, a, it's a lot though, because then I'm like, okay, I need to be like present in my body and like get out of my head. That's like, like, what if he's better than you and, or whatever, right? Like, what if he knows more things or what if da, 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 but it's awesome. I'm here for it, but I'm learning how to just really be present there in that space. Just be present and listen and like have the intention of like, listen to your body, listen to their yeah. body, see what like, it's, 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 it's a dance. It's a flow. It's a journey. It's like, you, you have to be so fucking present to really get what it is. And you grow within that container. Like mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. the old, like, yeah, I talk about this a lot over the years is that there's studio music musicians and there's rock stars. There's a reason why rock stars are rock stars. And there's a reason why studio musicians are studio magi magicians. I keep saying magicians. Musicians is like, they're technically so good. They're technically so fucking good that they're in all the background of all the things they're working all the time, right? And they're in the studio. And then you have the rock stars and they're coming with the energy and they're coming with their, they're reading the room, they're feeling the crowd, they're, what they're even creating is like the, the, the energy, right? They're creating and then they're blasting that energy out to like the last row in the thing. And they're feeling like you have to be the rock star in everything you do, you have to show up and like come with the energy and feel the energy and play off of it. Right. And you can take that to the bedroom and you can take that to your work and you can take that to whatever. <laughs> and you'd like, cause it's, it literally is all about energy. But what's cool is what happens when you do that is then the technique naturally just falls into play. Yes. And you don't even know what you're doing anymore. You're like, Oh shit, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> really is working for the moment. <laughs> I couldn't even have thought that one up even if I wanted to in that little book I pulled out from under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nine and times out of nine, just breathe. I need to breathe too. <laughs> Ten times out of nine, just take a breath. <laughs> Let's breathe. Breathing is really important too. What were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Damn it. I don't know what I was going to say. It'll come back. Um, About energy about energy i don't know it'll come back um <laughs> oh i know okay. like do we leave this one here no <laughs> no we, take, so we just drop it off at this point <laughs> anyway guys <laughs> see you later no um what i was just in contrast right like i've been in i've been in situations with men sexually who have like pressured me for certain things mm -hmm. and i'm like no and then when it's with somebody who's like safe and awesome and amazing, I'm like, whatever you want, because it's so safe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we just have everything so backwards with this stuff. This could be a whole episode in itself, but yeah, like just creating safety and presence and like slowing things down and, you know, not maybe mimicking things that we see in porn and stuff like that. I love how this goes a lot like, like the whole podcast just took a left turn. You did it. I totally did it. I was playing. <laughs> you turned it. You turned the wheel. I turned the wheel. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do here. We just let it go where it wants to go. I know she told you it's that. True. Whatever yeah, wants do. to come through, comes through at different moments. It's just. I mean, it's supposed just, to. It's yeah. supposed to. It's authentic. We just fucking, what's here in the space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. when I went to ISTA, the International School for Temple Arts, uh, you can Google that, but it's a uh, shamanic, sexual, spiritual healing training. I mean, even safety there. 
I mean, it gets sketchy, right? It's like we have these great intentions and, you know, we meet these people who might have certain skills, but if they lack the fundamental component of safety, then nothing else is going to feel safe. Yeah. So yeah, like doesn't matter what you know or what trick you have up your sleeve. If you don't know how to play poker, you're always going to lose, mm-hmm. <laughs> number one. And if you don't know how to read the room, if you don't know how to see the other players in the game and what they might be holding on to, then you're missing the one of the most critical aspects of the game itself. And of course, this is just a metaphor. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening. I mean, I saw it a lot, especially when I was in like kink and BDSM stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is like, kind of where I have questions and I'm curious about certain experiences that people are seeking, you know, through kink and BDSM, because I know I was that person, where it was just me exercising this sadistic, masochistic, pain-inflicting and perpetuating suffering thing that lives inside of me, where I realized it wasn't helpful anymore. Right. Unless now it's used with intention and there's a proper way to go about it, a safe way to go about it is what I mean by proper, which constitutes, you know, a conversation that needs to be had. And I think not enough people are having it, you know, because there's all of these covert Mm -hmm. contracts. There's this implied consent, almost like hospitals give informed consent versus actual Mm -hmm. consent and i mean that's something i talk to a lot of men about yeah is understanding power dynamics at play beyond just masculine and feminine but from actual places of offering and receiving and taking and allowing right and for those who might know what the wheel of consent is i would highly recommend it Mm -hmm. for everyone Mm -hmm. because it's outside of the sexual space as well right it translates into friendships it translates into how you run your business how you operate with clients how you interact with the world right we see a lot of pain and suffering right now primarily in the indigenous populations and cultures you know and especially from this i would say leftist movement that's been happening and these more you know I'm going to be very mindful of how I say this, but these movements that are facilitated and perpetuated by pain and not having their victim be truly seen, which then creates the shadow of the victim, which is the advocate. Mm. And there's a lot of this advocating for the earth, which is great. And we can also recognize that we're all indigenous to the earth and it's not so much a game of colonization as much as it is the game around consent Mm -hmm. and colonization is the superficial story of the pain, but really there is a lack of awareness and a lack of implementation and a lack of integrity of consent. Mm -hmm. And that's where control supersedes connection and that is what is creating the the division and we can see that through BIPOC we can see that through the queer community we can see that in so many different aspects of our society and there is room for that I want to make that known and to a certain degree it's valid until it invalidates others opinions 
because fighting fire with fire is just going to create more of right. an infernal mess mm-hmm. when, yeah, we can, you know, treat that fire with some care, you know, as we do in the fire. And for those who have sat in sweat lodge and tended fire and, you know, sat in some of these traditions and rituals that are really important, really sacred, when we fully understand them on the spiritual plane mm-hmm. and everything spiritual, let me just make that known too, because to say something spiritual and not spiritual or a community is spiritual and a person is or is not is inherently just, you know, trying to externalize God when that's not the case in anything. Mm-hmm. So if we really like ground and feel into that reality and the potential that lives beyond mm-hmm. the story, then that's where healing happens. Yeah. That's where conversations can be had like Jay Shetty right now. He's getting a shit ton of smoke. Interviewing Biden. Oh. And that's a touchy subject. Right. And there's a lot of people that, yes, there is something happening there. I mean, there's been stuff happening in that world for a really long time. And there's also the recognition that without conversations, how will we ever really understand? Right. And it's also the discernment of what's being scripted and what's not being scripted. And if you listen to the podcast, a lot of that shit was scripted. And that's where the issue lives. Right. Issue of authenticity. It's the issue of integrity. It's the issue that someone's willing to sell themselves out Mm -hmm. for the sake of material validation. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. how many people are doing that now, right? Mm -hmm. How many people do that through sex? seek mm-hmm. validation through sex i know i sure shit do still thousand percent still, that's, it that's shows right. up mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. mean i act on it always right but i also dot 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 always <laughs> always <laughs> and at the end of that road there's a lesson for me there in oh, which grace yeah. compassion understanding and empathy of self really you know supports that and we dance that fine line between you know, exercising grace and tolerating our own mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So at what point do we hold ourselves and each other to a higher standard, not for just our own benefit, but for the all, right? And that's very much more, you know, unified consciousness, you know, conversations and stuff like that. But it really can be that simple as how can I come from a place of understanding and create the invitation and opportunity to mirror back or reflect back someone's power by choosing to stand in my own without Mm -hmm. succumbing to society's stories or the conditions of the suppressed or oppressed things that have always held us back. Mm -hmm. How can we come back to freedom, love, safety, and truth always? Beautiful. And bringing it back to like, it doesn't have to be so complicated right? Like in this moment, we can choose just to be present and to choose love and, and really just be in that space. Um, And that's been a journey for me to even know that that's possible. So if you're listening to this, you're like, well, how the fuck do I do that? Well, just keep hanging out with us and we'll keep sharing how we're practicing it. 
Yeah. And we're not on a mountaintop doing it either. We're human. And, but it's really just brought so much freedom to me and so much more love more often, not to say that I don't get knocked off, like came back from Joshua tree. I was like, ah, I'm on a different plane of consciousness. And then I had come back into LA and like a bunch of shit happened. And I was like, Ooh, like anxiety and all of these things right away. And I'm like, all right, cool. But I, I know what to do with that you know mm -hmm. so it doesn't take me out completely hijack mm -hmm. me you're so, the duration of yeah and it becomes less and less and less right. and you catch yourself faster and faster and faster and like mm -hmm. yeah, that's the point it's like it is that is the art of meditation right it's like it's to practice meditation is that the the thoughts are going to come it's like what are you going to hold on to and if you're going to drift away down a storyline down a thought it's just coming back to center coming back to mm -hmm. center so we just have to practice that every day coming back to love coming back to center and not over identifying with the thoughts the story the whatever right but it's, it's easy yeah. to get looped into something especially when you're going out in the world and there's so people and there's things and you're interacting and drama happens or this thing happens and it's like i'm such an asshole on the road like i'm like move motherfucker what the fuck and i'm like sarah huh? pull it back pull it back <laughs> They can be there too. I'm like, they just need to get the fuck out of my way. I don't even give, I don't even have to go anywhere. I don't give a shit. Just, they're here. Why are you fucking driving like that? Why are you going like, we go 10 miles over the speed limit always. Don't you know? Hello, take that fucking light, run the yellow. Like I'm such an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that, that's just me. Like, why am I over here preaching like, blah, blah, blah. and then the minute I get on the road, I'm a completely different human being. That is not okay. And I'm really catching myself with that and checking it. Because even vibrationally in my thought, that's mm. not good thought to constantly be right. put out there. Right. So where, where am I still off kilter that I sit down in my car and then I just like, the demon comes out, you but, know? And, yes. And life is going to always create that opportunity and the contrast for us to see ourselves, right? <laughs> like, like my my shoulder is jacked right now. And I'm like, Oh, this is so fucking annoying. Like I want to do yoga and I'm mad that I have to take a break. And then I'm like, wait, I need to actually be kinder to my shoulder because it's just going to get more, I think more upset if I'm like, you're, you're annoying. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Like, please just get better so I can do what I want to do, you know, instead of listening to it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you. What so I'm much. hearing you say I'm going to say this because yeah, I was gonna say, do you want to do you talk if you want to close it out with anything or yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah I was going to say so you later are saying that you're actually having a human experience crazy huh oh my I gosh know. it's wild I wonder how wild. many people can resonate with that yeah I don't know if you guys I don't like waiting me. in lines I think I told you this Jess I don't, I don't wait like in waiting line. in lines because I visualize home. choking somebody the fuck out and there's part of me that really wants to but then I'm like yeah they're only 12. So, <laughs> oh my God. You know, and I think, and I, I said this on the last podcast, I think it was one that you listened to Jess, where it's like, in just the closing note, it's like, it's less about eradicating the darkness as much as it is about learning how to navigate it. Mm -hmm. And there's yes. this like hyper fixation and this hyper vigilance, you know, and this obsession to like, try to find this ethereal and very unconventional path of enlightenment when in reality if your soul chose to come here to be enlightened you'd be a fucking monk right now but you're sitting in your car you're listening to this and you're living a human experience probably cussing out the person who just cut you off so <laughs> honor that shit you know what i'm saying totally honor that 100%. shit guys honor it really I mean, yeah, we did choose to come here for a reason. Like if we, if we even wanted to the super spiritual, we wouldn't even have came back. We would have just been sitting up in a dimension somewhere on our floating planet. 
It's loading. That's what I call the starseed psychosis is when someone incarnates into this world and they're like, no, I'm a Palladian. No, yeah. you're a human. And if you want to subscribe to that, I support you. And I'm not going to look at you and be like, oh, a Palladian. I'm going to look at you and be like, oh, what's up, Jess? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know about that. Gosh, you know, Nathan, if you conversation. It's on my Moodra's and Middle Fingers letter. We're going to talk about this in Joshua Tree, but we got to remember this because if you only knew the conversations that we, <laughs> that we have had about that very thing, like really, and the fact that you picked Palladian of all the examples is just too perfect. So yeah, I felt that. We are, we are so grateful. I'm not Palladian, by the way. Just want to make it known. Just so you know, yeah. that's what I'm not is Palladian. No and correction, I'm a reptilian. <laughs> just in case you were thinking that's what i was insinuating sarah is not a palladian i'm not a palladian okay uh, good. sir wolf sir wolf good um, i was worried about that so good thing you understand <laughs> now you know <laughs> you know you know so, i mean this is we could always go go on and on because there's always so much here but thank you so much nathan yes it's thank you it's been an honor and a gift to have you here and really fun too oh yeah this is great and expansive and all the things so thank you and You're thank so you. Welcome. Yeah. Don't hang up yet. Hold on just one moment, but I'm just going to close out the show. Thank you everyone for a lot watching and listening. We will talk with you again soon and goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>